0: Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this
1: is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Alan Houston. Nickers is Lord. Once a neck, always a neck.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Nickish Show. My name is Mo, and with me this Sunday morning on this holiday weekend are my partners, Osama and Teddy. Are you guys feeling just as tired from all the turkey eating and the Black Friday shopping
0: and all the Nick's losing? Yes. It's, not, it's Black Weekend. It's right? Black Weekend, <laughs> yep. It's, I mean, yeah, I've been going hard with these deals and sales and stuff. I need something to... To purge the dark memories of these Knicks games the past few weeks.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what to say about the Knicks honestly. Like I've been just buying random shit to make myself happy because this team is not working out. Um, I will say a lot, a of, lot of Knicks stuff in TJ Maxx, guys. Seems like seems like a lot of retailers have given up.
0: Yeah, I got myself an, a Knicks windbreaker. I don't know why I did that. I honestly don't know why I did that.
2: Oh man, Secret Santa is coming up. I, I already know I'm gonna get something that's Knicks related, uh, Knicks coffee mug, <laughs> Knicks jersey, something like that. I'm, I'm, I don't even want it at this point. Like, tell me not. <laughs> as as Knicks fans, them winning or losing really changes your mood for everything else that goes on in life. Like, as it sounds ridiculous from a casual for a casual fan to to listen in on this, but Knicks winning and Knicks losing makes a huge difference on everything else that's going on and your
0: mentali- mentality towards it. I don't know yeah, if that's just me. Yeah, no, I'm I'm so conflicted because a few years ago I decided when the Knicks really started to be like absolutely abysmal, I decided for holidays, like for some reason they always used to play on Christmas. I was like, you know, it's a festive time, it feels great, everybody's at home hanging with the family, like let me not ruin this day with the Knicks game. But for some reason I can't keep my eyes off of the game. Like I have to watch it if it's on. And speaking of speaking of that, I just had a great weekend. I'm getting ready for uh, work to start back up on Monday but the Knicks are about to play um, today against the Celtics and part of me is like don't even try to watch it it's going to ruin half of your day on a Sunday but then the other part of me is like we, you don't know man, what like, what if they end up winning? If they beat the Celtics on Sunday it's a great feeling with the snow outside just destroying a bunch of races <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's a, the best feeling you can have but the chances of that happening are so low that I don't even know if it's worth even tuning in, you know Especially when you think about the last time these two faced
2: off, and Jason Tatum had his had his mini Kobe moment on us at our
0: expense. Mm-hmm. Uh, on our, our young RJ Barrett. RJ's yeah. expense. Yep. I mean, anyway, it's it'll be a game. There will be some players, a couple refs. Um, there will be a winner at the end.
1: Four quarters. That's all I, that's all I can say. Four, yeah, four quarters. I mean, four if
0: we're, if we're lucky, only four. Well, Teddy, who do you think is going to win?
2: Uh, well, never mind. Let me let me change that question. What do you think the score will be at the end?
1: <laughs> oh, God. All right. Um, my prediction is uh, we go down by 20 in the first quarter. and no. like Fake comeback for the rest of the game. Uh, 109-86. <laughs> Bold prediction. Bold. <laughs> <laughs> are, are they playing 86.
2: at MSG? I actually don't know. Are they playing at MSG or... Uh, Td. Uh, I gotta, I gotta check that check one. Not, that I don't day make day any day. difference, but you know, maybe.
0: I don't know for this no, team. They are. I think playing they suck. Th- yeah, they're playing at mystery. I think they suck
1: everywhere. I think they suck everywhere, though.
0: I think they're actually worse at home. Yeah, like so. nationally,
1: anywhere they go, they're just bad. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure.
0: I don't know. Their record in London is probably good.
1: <laughs> oh, there's only one place that they're good at. It's probably anything to do with Dallas. It's just good luck. <laughs> You're right. No.
2: Well, I feel like personally every player that we're saying needs to be better, um, particularly the young guys, they're all regressing to in, in some sort of degree. I don't know if you guys agree with me. For Frank, for example, we know he's trending upwards right now, but at the beginning of the season we did have to deal with him getting DMPs and not really playing. Basically, not really regressing or digressing, but there's always an issue with some particular player. That's that's for Frank's situation. For Mitch, we see him still getting all these fouls. He's averaging close to four fouls a game. It's At this point, like you, you feel like he'd learn a thing or two, but he's still committing all these fouls. What do, what do you guys think about the idea that the, the kids are really not getting better in this season when they are really supposed to take that next step?
0: I think you guys know my answer to this question. I've ranted about it week after week after week and today i'm gonna to continue to do that and it's um due to one root cause and that's david fizzdale at the end of the day we're right now on track to have a worse record than we did last season um, a season in which we only won 17 games so you tell me like who is whose fault is it that none of the young guys are getting any better at all i mean we, we're seeing frank flourish a little bit like you mentioned we're seeing R. J. come in, and he really had a hot start to the beginning of the season. But now he started to taper off a little bit. Um, in general, we just don't see much progression across the board. And the worst thing is that the free agents that we brought, that each of them had, each of whom had a successful career so so far in the NBA, are all regressing, minus Marcus Morris. So to me, that just shows that the coach can't capitalize on his players. He can't get the best out of each one, and that's that's really the the only barometer of what a coach should be um you can't really make players any better than who they are but the last thing you want is for players to come in and get worse so i think it's ultimately always on the coach whether the the, the team can play to their strengths or not and he's showing really early on in the season that he's not the coach for this team and that um, he's not the coach for young guys specifically
1: yeah i i do have to agree with that assessment right there um just don't see fizz doing what he's supposed to do like we're 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 fine, you know, losing all these games as long as the young guys are getting lots of minutes, getting their opportunity. And we I think we touched up uh, on it earlier. Like Kevin Knox is in the doghouse, and I don't really know why because this team is not winning in games. They're not a playoff team to be really benching, you know, young guys for making mistakes on the floor. I don't know. I don't know what to think of this. I think the whole franchise really needs a purge, top to bottom. And, you know, we can only go so high. We can only go so high, unfortunately, right? But really, this team needs to start thinking about, um, well, well, I mean, Dolan needs to start thinking about who he needs to bring in from the head of the front office. Because, I don't know, you put this roster together, you put these expectations on the coach, the coach is not a good hire. It's just one domino effect after the other here.
2: Now, think about... What Osama said, he said that the Knicks this season are on pace to be worse than last year's season, or at least the same. What about the players from last year versus the players this year? We brought in guys like Taj Gibson, Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Marcus Morris, and we have our young guys. Compared to last year, who do we have? We had <laughs> we had Lance Thomas, we had Marizonia, Emmanuel Butier, <laughs> Boudier, We had <laughs> I uh, who else Boudier. did we have? We like all these guys. Are, Courtney to, Lee, Courtney, <laughs> Courtney, Lee was respectable to an extent. We had Trey Burke. Let's not forget Trey Burke, who we thought was gonna be the next Tim Hardaway, Jr. next AI. <laughs> we really went to the extent where we're just like, yo, he got the dreads. He got, he's kind of like AI. That's like our AI guy. <laughs> like we're so, we're so stupid as a fan base. It's ridiculous, but um, we're we're like so delusional. But it's 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 it, it was supposed to be a, a night and day kind of situation. We're not saying that, which you're right about. Now, I do want to go back to the Knox DMP point that you're saying.
1: Hmm.
2: Me personally, Knox has been playing fairly good shooting wise. His defense has been abysmal, and maybe to an extent, the benching was not the wrong move. I don't want to say it's the right move yet, but I don't, I don't want to say it's the wrong move. But it, it also depends on how it's being done. Knox did make comments that it was kind of frustrating, and it also, it also matters on what he's doing. When he's benching. Are people talking to him? Is he learning? If none of that's mm-hmm. happening, then it's, then it's a waste. But a lot of situations, and it's not it's not a new tactic. It's a, it's a very old tactic when you bench a player, the next thing they come out strong because they don't want to be in that situation again. We're mm-hmm. Hopefully we see that kind of thing happen with, with Kevin Knox. But I, I don't blame Fizzle too much for, for benching for, for benching Knox. But I do want to see more limited minutes on guys like Randall who, at certain cases, he's not making the right decision. And you know it, it, there does need to be some uniformity in,
0: in his coaching style but yeah you guys here's think? the thing here's the thing you um you hit the nail on the head pretty much in my opinion you bench but be, you should always bench a player when they're not um, performing to their personal abilities and then they're making a lot of mistakes game after game that are just mental um, because it has the dual positive of number one you give them a rest and a game off to actually help them recover in case a lot of that had anything to do with physicality but then number two you allow them to sit and watch the game unfold without them in it and they're allowed to see it from a third-party perspective where they can see the ball if, if a lot of times it's an issue usually with someone who's not passing the ball a lot or who's not defending in Knox's in case he's not defending whatsoever and he's honestly just looking lost out there on defense and letting guys just like walk through him like a turnstile so when you get to sit down and watch other players defend properly in your position not only does it show you how to play properly or where to be on the court properly, because you can be a great one-on-one defender but can't be a good team defender because you just don't understand the scheme. You don't understand where to send guys either left or right, baseline, middle of the paint, etc. You just don't understand the players behind you that can help you out and the help. So um, Knox can understand that by by watching and sitting from the bench. But at the same time, um, it, all, it you have to make sure that, like you said, the coaching staff is speaking to him and explaining to him that this is not because... He's necessarily in the doghouse, but this is more to get him adjusted and to get him to understand that he needs to be performing on defense for him to earn his minutes on the team. I'm fully with that, but you said it best. If you're going to do that, you need to hold everybody accountable to the same standards and you need to have guys like Julius Randle who are playing just as poorly on defense sit on the bench sometimes. He's still starting every game, which I understand like optically, you know, it's going to look bad that now you're pretty much throwing Randall under the bus and he's sitting on the bench and doing whatever. But what what else can we do this season? There's not much else we can do other than letting go guy, letting go of guys in the, before the trade deadline or firing the coach. There's not really much else we can do other than start messing with the starting lineup. And at this point, Fizz has shown the willingness to mess with every part of the lineup except for the two forward spots. And to me, um, Marcus Morris has at least earned his, his, his pay there, at least on both offense and defense, and Julius Randall has not. And he's someone who I've time and time again said, I'm not willing to um, give up on because he's shown obviously great skill everywhere else. Um, it's just that the, our coaching staff is not using him to his his best ability. And a lot of ways to do that is to help him. have him sit down, come off the bench, run some pick and roll, um, get out there and run with a guy like uh, Dennis Smith and, and just get your points freely like that where you're not under so much pressure to defend and then earn your way back into the starting lineup. But I'm, I'm cool with benching guys as long as you do it um, with the same standard.
1: Yeah, I mean, completely agree with you right there. It just feels like the veterans can make all these mistakes, and they really get rewarded with more playing time than you know the young guys. And we've seen it with Wayne Ellington. Uh, what the oh, heck yeah. is up with the Wayne mm-hmm. Ellington? Mm-hmm. Guys, I don't understand this Wayne Ellington love affair that's going on. Like why does I don't I don't understand a lot of the veteran um, you know, playing time promises that have been made. Because it doesn't seem like these guys are earning it on the court. It just seems like they've been told they're gonna get more opportunities than they should. I don't know. This is a ragtag group of people that <laughs> I never expected to, to work together, honestly. I was skeptical in the beginning when we made all these signings and psh, shit, it has not worked out.
2: Now, considering the idea that all these vets are on one or two year deals that we can just let them go at the end of the season, is there is there a clear cut move? Well, obviously not clear cut. But do you guys have any ideas already in your heads that on particular moves that can be done to really just turn the season around, from a front office perspective, apart from firing Fisdale?
1: I think we it's really worth um, trading Trier away. Um, maybe maybe even consider trading away some of our, you know, valuable vets like Marcus Morris and then that's about it because the rest of them suck. Um but yeah, just to get sort of some value from these one-year guys that can probably help playoff teams would make the most sense. Um I don't really see a trade happening for Julius Randle because I feel like the front office would look really dumb and just from an optics point of view, they would not trade away the main guy they got in free agency like half a a season uh, into his contract. So, unfortunately, Julius Randle is not being traded, guys. I know there's a lot of people on the trade machine wondering about if they can swing Julius Randle away to a contender, but it's not happening. Um, Yeah, so I would just say make some small moves in the short term. Um, Hope to get some picks somewhere down the line. Um, I don't really see much demand for a lot of our vets outside of maybe Morris. Um, Yeah seems kind of (laughs) bleak
0: yeah i agree i mean at this point you try to see what you can get from with uh with the veterans at the trade deadline pretty much the only guy that's going to net us anything is marcus morris so you see what you can get for him if you can get a late first rounder amazing um and then you look start looking towards the draft um you know i was huge on uh, keeping frank and having him potentially as our starting point guard but now that i'm looking down the stat sheet every game and i see um our best uh, playmakers every day are getting 5 assists a game I'm, try- I'm starting to wonder do we not have a dynamic enough playmaker at the point guard position, someone like Trey Young or is it that our offense is so poor and generates so few assists that nobody can average more than 5 assists a game and it's, and it's more um, spread out between Frank and RJ and other guys so I'm starting to think at least we need a guy who's a go-to, just straight flat out scorer coming out of this draft whether it's a guy like Cole Anthony or whoever um, we start looking towards the draft in the summer, but in the meantime, yes, get um, assets for Marcus Morris. See what you can get for guys like Alfred Payton and um, maybe guys like Dennis Smith. I, I think he's redundant at this point with um, his lack of scoring ability, but I, at the same time, I'm very wary of trading low. Um, so you keep assets until you can f- uh, foster them a little bit and then try to trade high um, because that's what we're, essentially what we're doing with a guy like Marcus Morris. However... To, uh, to Teddy's point, a guy like Julius Randle, while if we had a functioning front office organization that knew what they were doing, they would at least um, behind the scenes try to see and the market for what they can get for a guy like Randle. And if you get a good enticing offer, then by all means, just go ahead and do it. Like, it shouldn't matter what people think because the, nobody has a high opinion of the Knicks right now as it is. So might as well get what you can get out of players and try to rebuild the proper way. Either that or... You know, have the wherewithal to understand. He just belongs coming off the bench for now, um, until we have a solid um, defensive team in the starting lineup. He doesn't um, deserve to be there. So it's it's one of the two things. You can't have an ego and at the same time not be willing to progress the team forward. You got you either have to choose one or the other.
1: I mean, I I think the the league has caught on to Julius Randle as well. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't expect much demand for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's just guys who are are better off the bench or better in a position where you don't have them featured with heavy minutes and, mm-hmm. and super high usage. And so the the way forward would be to actually play him in his proper role and proper position and then play to his strengths and have him build his trade value so that eventually down the road, maybe it's next year um, you trade him. Because I don't think ultimately he is a franchise cornerstone player. I don't even think the Knicks FO thought thought that, they, that he was anyway, but he was more of a saving grace during this free agency period. I still think he's a great player, a great third player on a good playoff team. Um, so for now, have him come off the bench because he can't be the star on a really trash team because I just emphasize he's the type of player where um, the team being poor really emphasizes how poor his weaknesses are. Yeah, I think I might be one of the few out there who
2: isn't as low as, on Julius Randle as a lot of people are apart. Then, granted, there are... A few, a few like important categories that he needs to really work on: free throws, especially energy level, especially and defense. <laughs> I, I not like now that I'm saying it, it kind of sounds dumb, but I, I I feel like he could definitely I feel like he could definitely be an, a a number two kind of guy. He, he like uh, against the Sixers, I believe he scored twenty one points and thirteen shots. Like he's he's very good offensively, and he's still only twenty five years old. I'm not really on the train yet uh-huh. to, to trade him right away. I think if he can, if he's coached well enough to fix those little things, just show a little bit more energy all oh, around. That's it, right? Not here. bring up the ball. He's not doing it anymore. He's not really bringing up the ball as much anymore. Uh, now, now they're he's just he's just giving it to the point guard, which in this case is Frank. So he he did fix that one thing, not doing as much playmaking, but. There are those little things that he's doing, and he's still getting accustomed to being double teamed, uh, which a lot of teams are doing nowadays. He's kind of seen as the player to put more emphasis on defense on. So he's that is a little bit that is a little new to him, but I am not necessarily on the train yet to trade him. I think he can learn from that fairly soon. It's not really like an Ennis Canner situation where he where Canner kept talking shit. Even though he was fairly good on offense mm-hmm. and horrible on defense, his, his his situation was that he was a problem in the locker room. Julius Randle, not so much yet, um, and he is only on a he's he's on a two three year deal, but he's a, he's he's a twenty five year old. Um, I am more along the lines of, of trading away the veterans. I think anyone under the age of twenty six is still an asset, um, w- whether mm-hmm. they're playing well or not. They still have time to to improve. That that includes guys like Dennis Smith Jr. Who we did see potential in just regressed this season could be he could be under a lot of pressure um, playing for Madison Square Garden and whatever personal affairs that he's dealing with or situations. Um, but as far as the original question goes on whether there are any clear-cut moves, I think apart from cutting the coach, there isn't much. I still feel like on paper this could be a decent team. A lot of these games that they're losing by they're they're fairly close games apart from the Raptors game. They're not. It's not like they're necessarily being blown out. If they hit five more free throws or six more free throws last game out of the fourteen that they missed, they would have won the game against the Sixers. They did lose. They they did lose the Celtics off a of Jason Tatum shot. They, these are all fairly close games. That if they could just fix free throws, that's that what's
0: frustrating, really. Because but they
2: are working on it. Last yesterday at practice, mm-hmm. they they did kind of a simulated situation where they're practicing free throws with crowd noise all around. So it, it did take too long, you know. Like you know, this twenty games in, he's doing it finally. But hopefully, they can. Yeah,
0: they, they also can, had J. Cole at that practice I mean, <laughs> for motivational. I don't speaking. know. I don't know if he was singing the crowd chants or like what, what was going. on. I, I don't know but what that was either. <laughs> but I mean, I think like yeah, yeah.
1: Go I ahead. I think it was just some good luck to maybe draft Cole Anthony. Uh, yeah, just, maybe just, <laughs> yeah, some nonsense.
0: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, like. While I would love to value some of these young guys, I do like allow my homerism sometimes to um, get the best of me, and then I overvalue some of the the next players. I agree with you totally on Randall. Um, his value is, in my opinion, still up there. He just needs to be maximized. Like you mentioned, it, it took the team nineteen games now to figure out to not have him bring the ball up the court. Um, I'm, I can't look. F- uh, I just can't wait for the next twenty games to figure out that we need to run a lot more pick and roll um, because. <laughs> it's it's like it's just simple stuff like that if if you don't have proper coaching there's just nothing we can do and if like i know you're you're talking about these tight close games where we're only losing by a few points it comes down to you could pin it on the free throw disparity you can pin it on one or two three pointers that we missed you can pin it on whatever but to me every time that kind of excuse is used to me what that tells me is the team is playing close in spite of the coaching not mm-hmm. uh, not mm-hmm. to the benefit of the coaching it's in spite of the coaching so um, a team that's struggling like that and continuously losing every game within ten points—that just tells me that that's the coach. Because the coach is not squeezing those few extra points out of the team. The coach, a team that continuously gives up in the fourth quarter in the last few minutes, forgets how to score. Um, literally repeats mirror a mirror image of the seventy-six, the original seventy-six game here again. Also being up by 17 points the other day against the Sixers, and then continuing to lose because they just forget how to play offense. Like in the last quarter, that to mm-hmm. me is on the coach. Like these are just simple things that all just lead to one guy and his staff. And like, don't get me wrong, I don't know anything about his staff. I don't know much about Keith Smart or uh, anybody else on the on, on the coaching squad. But what I do know is there's one man in there, Mike Miller, who has a good track record so far, albeit in the D League, but that's the guy I'm willing to give a chance to if we're not looking outside of the organization. And to me, if the trade deadline comes and goes, and by the all-star break, we're not any better than what we are right now, I say give that give that man a chance. And here's uh, Fiz, like uh-huh. your, your time was great here, but at the end of the day, um, as much as your personality helped um, lift the organization, you didn't really do much else in terms of basketball. Here's the scary thing about Mike Woodson. Uh,
2: not Mike. <laughs> Not Mike Woodson, Mike Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, excuse <me? laughs> and um, from the past. <laughs> the, what what the G League does, the the Westchester Knicks, what they do, that their their playing style is supposed to mirror the New York Knicks' playing mm-hmm. style. So when they when guys from the from Westchester actually move up to the New York Knicks, it, the the transition is more seam, seamless. So yep. Just, even though that even though Mike Miller uh won G League Coach of the Year. The playing style will be similar to what we're seeing right now, so that that is something to keep in mind. Um, but you know, again, I've never seen the guy coach, but I I do want to make that point mm-hmm. just in
0: case it it wasn't aware. Um, yeah, from from my understanding, that started during the Phil regime where they had yeah. um, the, the the Westchester team pretty much mirror whatever offense that we were running, like the triangle offense. But from what I saw, um, he was actually running it a lot more efficiently down in the G League. And granted, the 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 competition is a lot worse, of course, but Um, You have guys continuously go down there, seamlessly integrate within the team, and come back out and be recalled to the big knicks without any loss of pace whatsoever. Guys constantly, last year and this year, uh, went down to the G League, dominated within his offense, and his team was not losing. His team continued to win. And to me, that's somebody who's able to integrate new players, which is what we needed this year with nine new guys in this team. And someone who's able to run an offense no matter which players are in that offense. So a guy can come in and and know his role right off the bat and continue to thrive and flourish in that role. And if -hmm. if you look at the players' percentages, if you look at guys like Kenny Wooten, who we saw in uh, Summer League thriving down there in the G League. And so um, for guys like that, I say, you know, um, tell Bobby Portis, um, you know, the season was great. Give him a juice box and let him go. And then we call guys like (laughs) Kenny Wooten. (laughs) <laughs> get, bring a guy like Kenny Woon, who's who's uh, albeit undersized, he can come in and get a few blocks and really um, uh, energize the squad a little bit.
1: Mm, right.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's my actual solution to this season. Send the the team down to the G League, re- call, recall the entire G League team, and then see how they play in this system. If they play any better, then just fire everybody in the organization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love Um, these new ideas.
2: Yeah. Now, okay, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about the Nick of the Week and the Dick of the Week. We'll be right back.
0: This episode was brought to you by our latest sponsor, Atlantic Airlines. At this time of year, don't get bogged down laying bricks in this cold. Ignore your troubles as a head coach and book your flight overseas. At Atlantic, you'll find your dream destination for the job you've always really wanted, and the job you're really meant for. Maybe as a gondola driver in Italy, or a stunt double for an Irish potato. For a limited time only, Atlantic are offering all of our podcast followers the chance to fly themselves and any friend who's conveniently named Fizz overseas to a destination (laughs) of their choice. Book your last-minute getaway and get away. Seriously, get away. Get far away from where you are right now. Atlantic Airlines, don't just stay here. (laughs) please go somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, welcome back people. Um, You guys might have heard of this little segment earlier on in the the season, but we wanted to bring this one back knowing that uh, a lot of the games recently have not changed whatsoever. So, um, we wanted to nominate this week's Nick and Dick of the week, and if you hadn't heard about this so far, which I don't know where you've been if you haven't heard about it, um, the Nick of the week is someone who we really prize as someone who who did really well, exemplifies what a Nick is really, uh, truly, what a Nick truly is, and someone who just pretty much just came in and was consistent throughout the week, or someone who had a really great week. Um, the Dick of the week, on the other hand, is not only rhyming with Nick of the week, but it also exemplifies someone who's a trash bag, someone who could not play well throughout the week at all. Kind of just was a huge letdown, and anybody is up for grabs here. It doesn't have to be a player. It could be anybody from your organization, as you guys saw um, before we nominated a few guys um, earlier in the season. I won't spoil that. You guys can go ahead and re-listen to those episodes. But this week, we wanted to nominate uh, a couple of other guys. So I'm going to start with Nick of the Week. Do you guys have any uh, preliminary nominations for Nick of the Week before I make my ultimate decision?
2: I guess one guy to consider is definitely Frank. Uh, who compared to last season is a whole different player and kind of mm-hmm. playing playing to the level that a lot of the fans are hoping for. Uh, although he could continuously improve, but he's playing amazing
0: defense right now. Yep, I totally agree with that. Teddy, do you have anybody to nominate?
1: Well, um, my nomination would have to be also for Frank. I think he's uh, he's playing fantastic basketball. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe he's not, you know, putting up flashy numbers, but. He definitely is one of the more consistent uh, guys in our team, and he's—I think—he's doing a great job uh, of developing his game. So, I'm excited to see Frank, and he's one of the brights, one of the few bright spots uh, this season.
0: All right, great, very excellent points. Um, not much to be argued with there. Everybody knows I'm a huge Frank fan, but this is not a democracy, so it doesn't matter what either of you God. guys chose <laughs> this week. Our nick of the week is actually Marcus Morris. Hey. I think it's very easy to. You know, watch this man slip under the radar because he's so consistently averaging Carmelo Anthony like numbers. Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, that just deserves recognition. I don't know how many weeks we can go um, without seeing that he's been the lone bright spot on, in the starting lineup so far. Um, obviously, guys like Frank and RJ have been doing really well, but um, if, uh, Morris just seems like he can slot into any playoff team right now and just easily get 20 points a game, um, six or seven rebounds a game, and maybe a couple assists if he wants to pitch those in. But Honestly, I have to give the Nick of the Week to Marcus Morris for just continuing to be consistent, uh, bringing what he said he would bring in the offseason, just continuing to be a dog on the floor and fighting guys and and rallying the team. And no matter how poor the team has been, his play style hasn't wavered at all. I believe this week um, the Raptors game was the only game where he had maybe a little bit of an off night, but even then he still um, performed decently in the few minutes he had. So this week's Nick of the Week is going to be Marcus Morris. I now,
1: agree.
2: Yeah, I think well deserved. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's we have to uh, recognize that he's one of the only guys who's walking the walk. He's averaging career highs right now. <clears throat> he's uh, last year he was averaging about fourteen points per game. Now he's averaging close to nineteen points per game. He's averaging he's he's shooting at fifty two percent from the three. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That, that to me is a is a standalone number and uh, you know overall you know career highs everywhere as as a leader on the floor.
0: You said it best. Great. So. Moving on to our Dick of the Week, on the other hand. Um, this one might be a little bit more contentious because we have a lot of potential candidates for this one. Um, do any of you guys want to start it off for us?
1: Ooh. Ooh, there's a lot of Dick of the there's Week There's a candidates.
0: lot to choose from. There's
1: a lot. Uh, you know, honestly, um, I think i think everybody could be winning this award for this week so i'm excited to see who you're who you're giving it to <laughs> top to bottom yeah <laughs> top to bottom
0: yeah i might give it yeah to the entire organization <laughs> <laughs> i might give it to the show because what are we doing right now why are we even analyzing this but, why are we okay. giving them
2: a name why are we giving them credit why are we <laughs>
0: made, you know mo do you have any uh, nomination you want to throw in
2: uh, maybe guys like Steve Mills, um, or maybe even mm. James Dolan for that's a good one for kind of giving us an awkward situation by f- by forcing Steve Mills and Scott Perry to have that press conference a week ago or two weeks ago at this oh. rate. But no, apart apart from no, I think top to Again, bottom we're yeah. all garbage. Again, great <laughs> suggestions, great
0: suggestions. <laughs> but um, unlike my Marcus Morris pick. I'm going to have to harp on the same character that I've been harping on for this entire season. <laughs> oh, Our wow. dick of the week is actually a guy who goes by the name of David Fizdale. Okay? What? Wow. He's garbage. Wow, 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 He's wow. done. That man is finito. He's canceled. He cannot coach a team in this organization. And to me, oh, gosh. a guy who's consistently this poor, who gets so little out of his team, who continues to say dumb shit in the media, which that was the reason you even hired him in the first place, because he's such a personable person. And he continues to just, you know, just irk me now when he's on the bench. I used to love him. I used to look at him and be like, oh, wow, like, that guy looks like I, sh- like, I want him to be my dad. And now he's just some, like, weird, like, like, annoying grandpa at, at dinner. Like, that kind of guy who's just saying the wrong things when you're asking him <laughs> why he's doing the wrong things. And he's just, like, constantly grumpy in the media nowadays. And I know it's because of the losing, but... You have to admit, in in this season, it's all due to you. Last season, um, we gave him the pass. Guys were young. Um, He didn't really have much say or control over the team. And now that he does, we look even worse. So that guy is done. He's this week's dick of the week. Do I have any objections to that whatsoever?
2: No, definitely not. Not a
1: single one. Yep.
0: Yep. Right. But obviously, honorable mention goes to every single person related to the Knicks' <laughs> Nick's organization.
1: Yes, and and also outside of the Knicks organization, whoever designed those Mavs uniform. Uh, wins oh, the my dick, oh my god, Winston <laughs> Dick of the Week for me. What the <laughs> hell was that trash?
0: Oh my god, the, garb, like, the Mavs jazz. and the Nets. The Mavs and the Nets both have that strange graffiti style. I hate it. Yeah, like. Oh. And the Nets are, are like, trying to pawn it off as, like, oh, yeah, we're Brooklyn, we're hard. You know, we have that graffiti on the jersey. You're trash.
1: (laughs) I don't even know if graffiti exists in Dallas. Like, I'm not sure where they they got that from. Some nonsense over there, some goosebumps-looking lettering over there.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, honestly, like, I could not say it any further. I cannot wait. It's very hard to watch games now. Um, watching Fizdale coach this team, yeah. I just can't wait until we get somebody who's better off. And oh, honestly, like if wait. you if I've broken down the play style so many times so far, but I personally can't do it anymore. I I feel like I'm harping on the same things over and over again. So I I think one of you guys should just take over for this one.
2: There there was something interesting that I saw on Twitter. Uh, shout out to Tommy D, uh, who posted it. But basically, it's kind of like a score breakdown on after timeout plays, and. Mm-hmm. Basically, the importance of this is that it shows us as fans if the Knicks have something effective that's done after Fizel talks to them right away, immediately after. And from what it looks like, after timeout plays, the Knicks are outscored um, 93 to 49 in oh. 19 games. It's better than I thought. Teams like the Spurs, after timeout plays, there's zero scores. Will, oh, the Spurs will score six. Uh, Mavericks, they did decently. Six points versus 10 points. Um, and then, you know, Sixers last night or two nights ago, four points versus 10 points. Fizzle just doesn't know how to create plays that are effective or plays in general. Mm-hmm. But at this point in time, when you have so many veterans on the team, you have to be able to execute. You have to be able to use. Fairly sophisticated plays, if not picking roles, rolls, and be able to score effectively, especially after timeouts, because those are important. You you regroup, you bring you bring the soldiers back, you tell them what to do, and then they go out and they can't they can't execute that. The fact that it happens game after game is more of a reflection on the coach versus yeah, the players, I've seen, I've but
0: seen it that is post. it's and also
2: just as important for the players to be able to execute, and they're they're not mm-hmm. able to. So they all, it seems like the players have tunnel vision on their own. So. At this point, we all we have to hold everyone accountable, but
0: it does reflect mostly on Fiz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that post, and it was a little bit damning to see a few, quite a few games where we scored zero points out of timeouts, and that's something that Mavs fans, uh, sorry, Grizzlies fans, warned us about um, before last season started, that he's just not a great technical coach, and especially out of timeouts, he can't draw up good plays. Last year, I chalked it up to the poor team, but this year now I'm seeing not only are we coming out with poor players, plays out of transition, a lot of times we're turning the ball over or um, we have a shot clock violation. Like that's just guys coming out of a timeout don't know where they're supposed to be on the floor. That's absolutely inexcusable. When I see that throughout the game in regular game scenarios, I'm like, okay, I'm just chalking this up to players just generally having low basketball IQ and not understanding where they're supposed to be on the court and not understanding the play system, which already obviously has a lot to do with the coach as well. But coming out of a timeout, where you just had either thirty seconds or a minute, often longer, to tell the team exactly what they need to be doing, exactly where they need to be. If you don't execute on it, if you don't score, that's totally fine. But if you're not knowing where to be on the on the floor, you're passing the ball off and, off and getting it intercepted by the other team. If you're uh, if you have a shot clock violation because all you're doing is weaving the ball around the three point line from forward to forward to forward to forward. To forward that, to me, is the most inexcusable thing because I can grab anybody off the street right now and ask them to just mm-hmm. draw up a few X's and O's and they can run a more efficient play than Fisdo can. And that's the most damning thing for any coach because you need that even to be an AAU coach. So I don't know how he's coaching the NBA doing this.
1: Mm. Well said.
2: Yep. And to think that we picked him over Budenholzer.
0: God. I mean, I honestly... <laughs> well, I'm, I'm he was the, never going to take yeah, that job. I'm of he, the was that. he was interested.
2: He was interested.
0: I think that was more to to put a light of fire under the the bucks because if you have the option to coach a a budding superstar like Giannis or coach a Knicks team that just had their lowest win total of their franchise, (laughs) um, I think you're going to pick Giannis every time. Um, The fact that... You know, we ultimately didn't go hard for him. Is a different story, but I really don't think he was ever like a 100% option. But of course, he was my he was my ideal candidate. Yeah, we, course, we did sign Woodson. To admit Not I, Woodson. I, I was Why do I keep saying by Woodson? Fizdale.
2: Oh, I keep saying Woodson. We did sign Fizdale before Woodholser um, was even signed. But uh, whatever the case may be, uh, we're gonna wrap up this episode of the Nickish Show. Um, tune in for next week when we talk more about the Knicks possibly losing, probably losing. And uh, again, website is still coming soon, uh, still in development. We're we're hoping to have some neat articles and some merchandise on it, so look out for that. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Nickish Show. Uh, hit us with a like and you know comment on our stuff, and uh, we appreciate all the support that we've been getting the last uh, year or so for for the show. And uh, we appreciate all the support. So thanks for listening. Uh, any
0: last words, guys?
1: No. Uh, yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed your holidays.
0: Yes, yes. Everybody have a great holiday. Um, if I'm dead and you don't know, see me because of the Knicks have a great Christmas, a great New Year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, love you all. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>
2: That's dark. Thanks, guys. Uh, Alright, until the next time, guys. Peace. See you.